0: God is good. And all the time. God is good. Let me tell you, the music already tonight or already this morning has moved my soul, and I pray that it has yours as well. Praise team, thank you. Thank you for what you have done already this morning. And let me tell you, God is at work in this community called the way. Last week, if you recall, we celebrated our why with story coming forward to profess her faith and to be baptized into the family of faith. Amen? Do you realize that that's the third profession of faith and baptism in the last year? The second this year alone, and it's only May, y'all. It is only May. God is at work. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, And there's over seven individuals since January alone that have said yes to covenanting with us here in this faith community and there's at least that many more that have come forward and expressed an interest in doing so in the coming weeks praise be to god praise be to god god's doing a new thing here amen we have a lot to celebrate and as we celebrated last week a a a new season if you will for those that are being baptized and story coming into faith we celebrate with our graduates today Stepping into a new season, a scary season probably, an exciting season too, right? You getting out of the house, mom and dad are back there like, I don't know about this, but needless to say, we're here to celebrate with you, and to 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 also contemplate with you, because we all are in a season where we know that we continually step into new seasons, right? S- some of us are preparing to have a child come into our home, right? Lord have mercy right? Just ask Beth, the toddler had to go down early to the nursery, right? Praise be to God. You know, some of us are graduating. Some of us are retiring. Some of us have experienced some other transition in life, and all of those transitions are ones to celebrate, contemplate, and even in some cases, maybe even mourn, because it's a transition we didn't ask for that we struggle with. And some of y'all here today remembering something that happened in your past that this is an anniversary for and so no matter where you are this morning God wants to speak to you he wants to speak to us and, and this is where I believe that we're being led to contemplate today as we step more into chapter 8 of Romans the, the best chapter ever written I believe that Paul wrote he gets into our purpose and if you remember our mission statement is to share in hope live with purpose. for the sake of others Right. And and so let me ask you this and graduates, let me ask you this in particular. And I'm going to ask all of y'all, do you know what you were created for? Do you know what you were created for? Church, do you know what you were created for individually and as a body of faith? You see, we're created for a purpose. And I believe that Paul is culminating as we get to this place in this portion of chapter eight to speak to that. He talked about a a new orientation with God through no condemnation as we open this chapter. And then he talked about the new life that we can have, life in the Spirit, right? And he talked about the new relationship we can have through being adopted into this family. We're family, y'all. Whether you like it or not, y'all look at each other and say, we're family. Come on. You know, crazy aunt, crazy uncle, they're all here, right? We're family, right? Right? And Anne talked about a new hope last week. Well, this week I want to talk about our purpose. A new reality for each and every one of us. What we're destined for. And so join with me as we continue in reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And I'm going to begin in verse 26 and read through verse 30 this morning. Picking up where Anne left off last week. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us continue in prayer this morning. Almighty God, I thank you again for the words of the songs sung today, for the words of Doug leading us in prayer, more importantly, Lord, for wooing us here across the generations, across the place in which we are in our own faith walk, some doubting, some rejoicing, some mourning. Lord, you have called each and every one of us so that you might speak into us today. So God, I pray as we meditate upon your word, God, I pray that we would encounter the living word, Lord, that your spirit would move freely in us and even in spite of us today. And God, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our minds would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And the church said, Amen. amen, amen. You know, context matters, doesn't it? I mean, how many times have you seen someone say something and it's been taken completely out of context on social media or in the news or even in a conversation you've had? i, I've, I encountered this past week where someone misunderstood what I said. Context matters, doesn't it? In, in fact, when it comes to, to Scripture, I, it, what's been ingrained in me is, is that a, a text without a context is a proof text for whatever you want it to mean. Y'all ever heard that before? A, a text... Without a context, it's just a proof text for whatever you want it to mean. And so, before we dig into what I think is perhaps one of the most encouraging and yet challenging passages in Rome Romans, one talking about things like predestination, foreknowing, the fact that God works for the good for those who love Him. Those are things that we like to hear and yet we challenge with. Before we get into that, before we dig into that, let's zoom back out for a moment. And put a little context to where was Paul in all of this? Who was he writing to? And, and and what was going on in that time? You see, Paul is writing to the church in Rome that's facing fierce persecution from the outside. Cancel culture was alive and well in that day. They didn't have the Instagram, they didn't have the the Snapchat, they didn't have the Facebook, but they were alive and well in shunning and shaming and silencing those that they opposed, and Christians were among those. And even within the body of faith, there was the squabbling and strifes that even we experience in our own life. There was those that were coming from the Jewish tradition and those from the Gentile tradition that were coming in and trying to figure out how to do life together in light of their shared faith in Jesus Christ. Any of y'all been part of a church merger? (laughs) Where you got these rich traditions from two different bodies of faith, yet have a common higher calling in the profession and faith of Jesus Christ? And yet there's struggles and things as you iron all that out? Well, that's the context that Paul is writing to. And so in many ways, Paul is writing to us, much like he was writing to the church in his day. A day in which they faced great uncertainty about what the future held. Any of y'all on the precipice of a new season? Not sure what the the future holds. Some of us are there. Maybe our graduates are there. Maybe they're excited. Maybe they're nervous. Maybe they're both. I know I would be. And and as a a parent of a junior, it's hard for me to sit here and to see y'all a year ahead of where my own daughter is. And... uh, wow. Wow. And so I I think in light of all of that, in light of that context, we have to start with the end in mind. Because that's where Paul is taking us, to our purpose, to our calling, to what we're created for. Do you know what that is? To be glorified. To bring glory to to God. You know, the, the broader mission statement of this church is that we exist to bring glory to God and to make disciples of Jesus Christ by sharing in the hope-filled life of Christ so that we might all discover and live into our God-given purpose for the sake of others. Paul is getting to the end game in Romans 8, that, that our purpose, our destiny, our calling Is to be glorified in Christ, by Christ, and for Christ. But how do we get there? What does that look like? So start with me in the back of what we read, and we're going to work our way backwards today. And we begin in verse 29 where there's a word for suggesting that everything that he was writing up to this point was leading to him giving justification of it. And this is what he gives us. This is the reason for everything he's written leading up to it in verse in chapter 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified... He also glorified. Five words, five actions on the part of God. Foreknowing, predestining, calling, justifying, glorifying. All of those are big words, challenging words for us to get a grapple with this morning. But let me just give you a little bit of what Paul is getting at. He starts with foreknowing. What does it mean to foreknow something? That that means to know in advance, to know before it even happens, right? What is it that God foreknows, and how is it that God foreknows it? Well, what Paul is getting at here is that God foreknows whether you or I will choose in our own free will to embrace the grace that he extends to us through Jesus Christ. He foreknows it. He knows from the very beginning, before the beginning of time, whether we will say yes to his extending his grace to you and me. How does he know that? Because we don't worship a created God. We don't worship a statue or an image. We worship the living God, the creator of all cosmos, the one that's outside of time and space. You think about it, we often think of it in chronological time, right? I, I was watching Leslie out there and, and Diane trying to flip through pictures and seeing if they had a picture of their kids together when they were really young. And they got the baby pictures, and they got the pictures now. You know, you got this timeline in someone's life. But God's outside of that. He can see in an instant our whole life, not just here now, but for all eternity. Because he's not bound by time and space. He knows in advance whether we will say yes him or not it's a choice he's given us because he's given us free will to choose and in that he has done some things he's already determined some things about those that will say yes to him and the first thing is he's predestined those who say yes to him to be conformed to the image of his son in other words we're going to take on the family resemblance i just had y'all declare to each other we're family right do y'all look like each other Yeah, some of y'all are like, you know, I don't look like that person, right? Y'all don't want to look like this, right? But we take on the image of Christ. You know, a lot of times we get hung up with that word predestination, especially in church circles. And And I will say it's a headbender for me to think about what does it mean for God to predestine. And some would argue that God predestined who will say yes and who will say no. That God's predestined you to say yes, and for you to say no, and for you, well, maybe, maybe, right? But that's not what Paul is getting at here. That's not what he's getting at. He's saying, I foreknow whether you're going to say yes to my grace or not. And in light of that, I've already predetermined that those that do say yes, well, there's some things that I want to do in their life. And the first thing is, I want them to come on and take on the image of my son, Jesus Christ. Ben Witherington is a a professor at Asbury, and he's a New Testament scholar par excellence, and he says it better than I could ever say it. And so I want to read this to you as it relates to this passage. He says, this is not about someone being destined to become a Christian, but rather it's about the destiny of those who love God, those who have already responded to the call. You see, it's not about us being destined to become Christians, but it's about the destiny of us that have said yes to Christ. And our destiny is to be continued to be conformed and transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. And guess what happens when we begin to start looking like Jesus? Others start looking to you and to me and say, I want what you have. Because God calls himself unto himself through us as we reflect the image of Christ. That's what we're predestined for, those of us that say yes to Jesus. But not only are we predestined to be conformed into his image, that is the image of Christ. You remember we're co-heirs with Christ that he talked about earlier? We inherit the blessings that God has. We're also called. We're called. God calls us into a relationship with himself his desire for every human being and for those that say yes to him he is calling and wooing us into that relationship that he had at the very beginning with adam and eve you remember how he would walk with them in the cool of the night and talk with them he desires that for every human being he desires for us to be able to walk into that relationship he calls us forth into that relationship with him but there's still that three-letter word that gets between us and god and gets between us and others you know what that is sin we don't like to say that word do we I mean, it's like a cuss word isn't it we, we don't like that The church lady says it a different way anybody want to repeat the church lady for me sinner sinner you know we we, we allow sin to get between us y'all are looking at me like you're crazy i am i know that yes but here's the deal that's what's gotten between us and God. That's what gets between us and every other human being. That's what gets between us and the relationships we desire to have. And so while God calls us into relationship with him, he's got to do something about what is between us. And so Paul articulates for us, he not only calls us, but he also justifies us. He justifies us. In other words, he makes us right with him. I, I, my men's group, not my men's group, but the men's group that meets on Saturday mornings knows that, you know, we've been, we've been in forever in, in Romans. We're, we're just now to 15 1. Maybe by the end of summer we'll finish Romans. So if you missed it, you haven't missed much. So, guys, come on, jump in. Jump in anytime. But the very beginning of Romans, Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4, is all about Paul calling out everyone. He's calling out the the Jewish Christians, and he's saying, you ain't got it all right. And then he's looking to the Gentile Christians, and he's saying, you ain't got it all right either. And and then in in chapter 3 and 4, he's basically saying, none of us got it right. And I don't know about you, but I don't have it all right. Can I get an amen to that? You all would agree with that, right? We don't have it all right. But we're made right through Christ Jesus. We're made right through what Christ did on the cross and through an empty tomb for us. Paul writes this at the closing of chapter 4. He said, He, that is Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You see, no matter how hard we try, we cannot justify ourselves before God. We do a lot of trying to justify our actions and our deeds and trying to earn our way into God's good graces, and we cannot on our own. But thanks be to God by the grace of Jesus Christ we can be justified, we can be made right, we can be restored into that relationship that God desires for us to have with Him. And just as you thought it couldn't get any better, He not only predestines us to take on the image of His Son, He not only calls us into a relationship with Himself, He not only, on His own initiative, makes us right through justification with Him, but He also glorifies he also glorifies, Paige and Josh. That's your ultimate destination. That's what you're created for. That's what we're all created for: is to be glorified, and to bring glory to God. To be glorified. This is the work of the work of the Holy Spirit continuing in our life. I love the way that Paul puts it in Rome in Philippians one six: that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Yeah, I I, I like to think that I'm under construction from the inside out all of us are and, and the work that god has predetermined to do in us and through us when we yield to the work of his holy spirit is to continue to rid us of ourselves and to free us to be open to the filling and indwelling of his holy spirit so that we might truly reflect his image into the world and in our relationships with one another that is what our high calling is is to be glorified folks This is great news. This is our destiny. We are predestined to take on the image of Christ. We are called. We are justified. And we will be glorified. Praise be to God. This is the great news. This is the gospel message that Paul was bringing to a church that was brittle and broken and a community that was facing the opposition from all sides. He said, don't lose sight of your high calling. Don't lose sight of the purpose for which I've created you. That's our high calling. I know what some of y'all are saying this morning. though. Andy, you you just painted a rosy picture. And if you knew what was going on in my life, it's anything but rosy. Y'all may not say an amen to that, but I can say that for my own life. There are things that are, troubling me, things that keep me up at night, things that break my heart, things that lead me to repent on my knees, things I've said or done. There's a lot of things in my life that are not rosy. You see, Paul's not a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy, nor am I. Paul is writing from a place where he knows what it's like to go through a life in a fallen world where there's strife where there is dissension, where there is struggle, where he's been himself beaten up, left for dead, in He knows what it's like to walk around with a limp, if you will, talking about the thorn in the flesh. He knew what it was like to live and endure hardship. And he even was able to write letters from prison where he didn't know whether he would live or die the very next day. And yet he never lost sight of his destiny. He never lost sight of his purpose. He never lost sight of his why. And that was to ultimately be glorified by Christ, in Christ, and for Christ. And he needs us, too, I think, for us to remember our why. And more importantly, maybe to remember our role. What's our role in all of this? What's our role in him predestining, calling, justifying, glorifying? What's your role? It's to believe. To believe. To believe that he can do what only God can do and will do. That's our role. That's our role in this. And so going back to where our life is now Some of y'all are enduring traumatic hardship in your life right now. Some of y'all are remembering a tragedy in your past today. Some of us are about to graduate and we're wondering what the heck it's going to look like next August. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt that some of us experience and any of us that have lived long enough to know that there's other seasons that might come our way that will also bring about hurt because we live in a fallen world. So in light of the end game, how do we endure? Josh and Paige, how do you go into this season of uncertainty before you? you know, when your sandwiches are made for you and all that kind of stuff, and, and now you're getting ready to do it on your own, right? Laundry ain't going to get cleaned on its own. I got news for you don't be like my brother's roommate and turn your underwear inside out and wear it twice. <laughs> don't recommend it. He had a roommate his fr- his his freshman year, no joke, did not change his sheets the whole year. Threw him away at the end of the first year. My brother was a messy mess growing up, but let me tell you, he is the neatest neatnik in our family, and I think it's all because he was scarred that freshman year <laughs> in college. So, Forewarning, if you end up with roommates that aren't family, it's going to be in for an interesting time. And he's like, "How, how do we endure? What, what, what do we? How do we? In light of knowing where we're going, our destiny, how do we walk through this life of uncertainty and the pain and struggle?" Well, Paul reminds us. and took us to this earlier, and I want to start here and then work our way back through what we read today. If you remember last week, Paul wrote this: "I consider that our present sufferings." are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider our present sufferings. He knew what it was like to suffer. Paul certainly knew what it was like to suffer. And I believe that he was drawing upon the reality that Jesus himself took his disciples to. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 16? Part of his parting words to them was, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And I believe that Paul took those words of Christ to heart and he began to live them out and it's what allowed him to pin what we see right before what we just have been unpacking and that is this, two things. We can count on God working for our good and we can call upon the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf. We can count on God to work for our good and we call upon the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf working backwards again verse 28 says and we know that in all things god works for good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose now did paul say that all things are good any of y'all thought that when you said yes to jesus you're going to be on easy street it's going to be easy peasy going forward i got news for you that ain't the truth not all things are good what we've seen in the headlines this past week are not good some of the things that you've endured in your own life are not good. The fact that Anna and I have a clergy friend who was stabbed to death this past Wednesday in Atlanta by a person she was caring for, counseling, is not good. Not everything we experience in life is good. Paul doesn't say that not He doesn't say that all things are good. He says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So even in those bad moments, even in those deep wounds that you carry with you, God desires to heal you and allow those scars to shine so that others might hear your testimony. Because good can come from our brokenness not that god caused it not that god desires it but god can use it to bring glory to himself through you if you allow yourself to you see i'm taken back to the story in genesis do you remember the the back third of genesis beginning around verse chapter 37 we pick up really on the story of of one family That Joseph was a part of. Joseph was the 11th of 12 boys. Can you imagine having a household of boys like that? Think about the college tuition for that family. Lord have mercy. Or or the hamburger bill for that. But here's Joseph. His older brothers were envious of him. They conspired to kill him. They threw him in a well to leave him for dead out in the wilderness. Until they realized they could make a buck off of him. And so they sold him into slavery. He'd get hauled off into Egypt and he'd, he'd be under basically house arrest as a slave in an individual's home, Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of adultery, which led him to be beaten and left in prison with no, no future in sight. It's there in prison he would begin to use again some of the gifts God had given him. God had given him a gift. His gift was to be able to interpret dreams and He even gave encouragement and and properly foretold this one person that would be reinstated to his position with the Pharaoh. And he said, don't forget me. (laughs) And he was even forgotten. You see, for Joseph, he endured decades of neglect and abuse. Was any of that good? No. But he would one day find himself as a second command to the Pharaoh. And he would lead Egypt through one of the most historically devastating famines they've ever endured, a seven-year famine. And in that, his, his brothers were drawn into the fray because in the land that they lived to, the famine had extended and bled out into that area. And so they come to Egypt. And what is it that they hear from Joseph's mouth? They hear this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, we sang earlier about the evil and the harm and yet the good of God. Joseph declared that what his brothers intended for evil, God was able to turn and use for good. And the reality is, is that God can do the same for you and for me in our life. So whatever bumps in the road you find yourselves in, Josh and Paige, in the future, whatever setbacks you find yourself facing, God can use it for the good. Not that those setbacks are good, but God can use them for the good. You can count on him to work for your good and my good too. Which leads me to backing up once more. To what he articulated also is that we can call upon the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I have found myself at times when I am speechless about what's happened in my life. Any of y'all been there? You don't know what to say. You don't know how to pray. But God does. And God bestows his Holy Spirit in each and every one of us as believers And he allows the Holy Spirit to operate and to speak and to communicate with God the Father on our behalf in wordless groans, no less. So even when you don't know how to pray, even when you don't know what to ask for, trust that God does and that the Holy Spirit is speaking on your behalf, speaking into our lives and into our circumstances. And notice what Paul says. It says that the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will in other words the spirit will not ask for or lead us in a direction contrary to god's will that means we can trust and we can lean in on that nudging where the holy spirit nudges us because he is good he is faithful he's the advocate and he will guide us in all truth as jesus proclaimed and reminds us all and so i don't know where you are this morning But we all are facing a season ahead of us. We're facing it as a church. As we step into being a a standalone Methodist church in the coming weeks. You may have something going on in your own life that has you facing the precipice of a new season. We have graduates here certainly facing a new season. And their parents are facing a new season. Whatever season you are in, know this. The end game's clear. For those who have said yes to Jesus, God has predestined you to take on the likeness of Christ. God has called you into a relationship with him. God has already justified you and made you right with him through Christ Jesus. Jesus. And he's in the process of glorifying each of us so that we can bring glory to him. That's our purpose. Such that we might love more, be more compassionate, be more giving, be more serving, be more sacrificial than anyone else in the world. So that people might see Christ in us and through us. That's how we bring glory god that's your ultimate purpose that's what you're created for that's what i'm created for that's what we as a faith community faith are created for may it be so amen amen i'm going to pray here and i'm going to invite the praise team to come forward but i want you to know that after i finish in prayer they're going to play just a moment and i want this prayer rail to be open today Maybe as a, today is a day to reclaim your purpose in life, your higher purpose. Maybe today is a day that you need to bring a burden that you came in here with and lay it down and allow Christ to take it. Maybe today you don't even have the words, but the Holy Spirit does. So I want to offer this rail open to all of us for a moment, for a time of prayer. And if you want myself or you want Pastor Ann to pray with you, just extend your hands out. We'll come and pray with you. But otherwise, this is, just, this is a time for each of us to be reminded of what we were created for and who is for us and who is with us. So pray with me now. God, I thank you for the ways in which you constantly remind us of your goodness And of your grace and of your mercy. I thank you for the ways in which you foreknow. You know. And you also chose to give us free will so that we might choose. So that we wouldn't be manipulated or dominated by you. But Lord, that we would be able to be freely loved by you and to freely choose you. And in that, you remind us of our higher calling ultimately to be glorified and to bring glory to you. God, I admit that sometimes we we settle for a life in which we just seek peace and comfort, but you didn't create us for that. You created us for greatness and glory. Help us to live into that higher calling upon our lives that has an eternal impact, not just on our life, but on the lives of others around us. God, be in the midst of the brokenness that we brought in here today. Remind us that you're there with us. You don't leave us alone. But your spirit's wooing and healing and releasing even when we cannot. So God, be with us today. Allow us to be reminded of your great grace and love for us. I ask all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, amen, amen.